Blog Talk Radio. This episode of The Drum is brought to you by 15 Hertz and the Market.
Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon, people. It is Derezmi Morin. Hello, everybody. It's CJ Paisley, and you are listening to The Drum. You are listening to The Drum. Um, this is a different time, so it's a little bit later. Hopefully, you're riding home right now. You just got off of work. Probably on your way to a happy hour. No judge, no judge. It's Tuesday. The week just started. Things are hard. So, you know, so, but most importantly, you're listening. I, we appreciate you for tuning in. Definitely, definitely. We're not going to waste any time today. We have a great show for you, a very special guest we're going to introduce later on. Yes. But let's dive straight into it. Derezny, I have to tell you about this weekend. Yes, you you have more fun than I do. <laughs> see, I'm going to say... It's been an experience, okay? Mm-hmm. Last week, we touched base and we uh, interviewed Wendell Haskins, who's the founder of Original Tea Golf Classic. Yeah. And this weekend, this past weekend, um, three, no, four of 15 Hertz were able to go to New Jersey uh, at the Wild Turkey Golf Course and actually work with the Original Tea Golf Classic. Mm. Uh, during that time, we handled all of the social media. We also did a lot of other things, but we met a lot of, lot of really great people. Um, myself, which I'm really proud to say is um which i'm saving my picture to post tomorrow because it's gonna be wednesday oh really yeah on instagram <laughs> and wednesday is wcw oh my gosh so my woman crush wednesday goes to beverly johnson so so you came across beverly johnson is that what you mean selfie with her i took, <laughs> I took a backdrop pic with her backdrop. I, took it, I took it all i took all the pictures so y'all was just posing yes. Nothing. Yes. is that so okay yes. well I'm, i mean you know greatness when greatness is around you you feel me i don't blame you for taking advantage of that opportunity enjoy your hopefully you get all the likes in the world <laughs> for that picture so i mean that was great it was but it was work right you yeah they're working yes it was definitely work uh first of all i want to say thank you to wendell haskin for including the marcus ground project and being a part of the 16th annual original tee golf classic and also we want to do like a huge shout out to lee l um who is just phenomenal in the golf uh the golfing sport um and also everybody that in, that were included us and that we were able to meet we want to say thank you and we deeply appreciate it so next year will actually be even better of course greater experience of course and Marcus Graham project hopefully will still be involved yeah I strongly believe it is um it'll be a great little time I know y'all was like getting oh I have to go shopping I have to get my hair cut <laughs> everybody was getting all suited up but like you said uh Wendell did say how much clothing and attire plays a role when it comes to golfing. So I, I think that was cool. Hopefully next year I'll be on the field, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'd be able to putt, but I could, you know, pour <laughs> drinks and <laughs> and have fun. No, so you could cool. really enjoy it. And just like you said, um, Wendell did express the uh, the main, the one of the main focuses is uh, fashion. And so myself and Zach uh, had the opportunity to present the Best Dressed Award. Mm. Uh, and so we presented, and definitely shout out to Jennifer and also Logan, who won the Best Dress Award at the Original Tee Golf Classic. So that was our weekend uh, in New Jersey. We was uh, we had that opportunity to go out and actually work with hands on with Original Tee. Now, what song do you got for us, Doris? All right, I'm gonna cue a song before we um, bring in our guest speaker, and I think this song 
would be um, one of, I think the guest speaker is really going to like this song. And I mean, she, you didn't ask me about my weekend. I thought, you know, you know what? I, you know before what? we I'll, even get to music. I'm so sorry, Dorismi. You know, I I'm just caught up into it. the original T. I'm going to make it short. I'll make it short. This weekend, the rest of the hurts, <laughs> the 11 of us, a few of us decided to try our best to be as creative as possible. So we, I want to thank the city of Dallas because we went out and found street art. We was like doing videos and, and and all that, like we were creating videos with a projector and um, and um, lighting. I mean, we were just like creating things, making things, writing. I did a podcast over the weekend. We just so this is just another opportunity for those who are listening. And if you find yourself frustrated, if you find yourself in a rut, just stop and be creative, all right? So, okay, so my song, now that I got that off my chest, the song I'm going to play for you guys next is the instrumental. It's um, created by Jay Dilla. It's Your World.
our guest speaker is Marcus Collins. Um, we're going to allow him to introduce himself in a little bit, you know, but just to let you guys know, his phenomenal, phenomenal individual. Uh, he's worked on several accounts, activations, and he's understands social media to a point to that or is actually right. Marcus. Hello, hello. Marcus, hello. Yes. Hi. How you doing? Yes. I'm doing well. We played some Jay Dilla for you specifically. I hope you enjoyed that. I appreciate Jay Dilla. I appreciate the Detroit reference. Makes me feel like I'm home. So thank you for ah. the warm welcome. Yes, yes. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in and joining us on the drum today. All right. So uh, we want the you to. Is mine. Uh, thank you for uh, interesting me. Okay. Uh, we want you to tell um, our listeners right now a little bit about yourself. I gave them a little brief, but I feel like you can say more than I. <laughs> okay, um, so my name is Marcus. I um, I work in the field of of advertising, but the practice that I've developed has been about understanding the dynamics between human behavior and media and communications. Um, I, I my background is in engineering. I actually studied material science engineering at the University of Michigan uh, before I went into the music industry, writing and producing records. Um, and after I did a startup. Um, right around 2006 where the industry changed, the music industry basically collapsed. I went to business school to kind of figure out the disruption that was happening. I went to the University of Michigan again to get my, my MBA, came out and went to Cupertino to do partner marketing at iTunes, and then moved to New York to run digital strategy for Beyonce before entering into this wonderful, hectic world of advertising, which I would argue in a lot of ways is being disrupted as well, which I think is an interesting time to be in a place where there's a convergence of new things that are changing the paradigm of how we think about the space, but old, uh, but old skills that allow us to navigate it in a way that feels familiar yet new. Wow. Wow. Now, first, um, let's backtrack a little bit, because um, a lot of our listeners are aspiring ad men, ad women. Um, but um, what I've noticed a lot during my time here is that there's different avenues to get into the industry. And just like you said, you know, you got your bachelor's with an engineering degree. You were on the music side, and then you've transitioned. You've basically cultivated yourself to become um, um, an expert in, in this in this industry, you know, I mean, a hot commodity almost. So, like, how how was that time when you realized that yo, engineering is not for me, and um, I like this, I like music. And then when did that moment click when you were like, you know what, I could continue doing this, and um, I should go back to business school and and continue sharpening these skills, these talents that I already have. You know, it wasn't as deliberate as I as I thought it was going to be. Um, for me, what happened is that I went to I, – I, I used to write I – mean, I used to play piano and play in band and sing and whatnot in high school as a kid. When I went to college, it was like it's time to be serious, time to be an adult, put away the, the, the hobbies and kind of focus on what life was going to be. 
So I thought I was going to be an engineer. I was really excited about polymer chains. I thought that it was fascinating. They didn't create tangible things. So I was like, oh, great. I'm going to do that for a living. Um, and after, like, my first year of college, I was like, I don't know if I love this. My mother was like, you know what? You got to give it another shot. Like, you don't really understand your major until your second year where you're taking, like, the core classes in your major. Everything else is just prerequisite kind of weird classes. Like, all right, cool. So I went back uh, my sophomore year, and I took uh, a humanities class, right, like an elective, and that elective was music theory. Now, I've taken music theory in high school before, but I didn't take, like, really hardcore pedagogy. And I started falling in love with major sevens. I thought it was fascinating, like the sound. I knew it. I knew it. Like you know, I, it felt like Stevie Wonder. You know, it felt like like Quincy Jones. It was like, oh man, like mm. I could do this every day, every day. And it was the first time that I can remember being super excited about school. Like I would, I, would, I couldn't wait for my next class. My class met on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And on Wednesdays, I was, like, excited about, like, motor, motor mixtures. We're going to learn about, you know, uh, modal mixtures and, and, uh, and modulations. I was super stoked about it. So I thought, like, you know what? I could do this for a living. I could write music and, you know, get good at it. And I remember coming home after my sophomore year that summer. It's like, Mom and Dad, I figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life. They're like, okay, great. Lay it on us. Like, you know, we're sitting in the living room. Lay it on us. Tell us. And I was like, I want to write music. They're like, oh, no, you don't. That's not going to happen, buddy. And oh, I was wow. like, you know, but what if, like, I was like, you know, what if, like, Quincy Jones signs me or, you know, whoever signs me, she's like, I don't care if Jesus Christ signs you. It's not happening. <laughs> 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 you know, we, we, we fought the Battle of Jericho that evening, and, of course, I lost. Mm. And the deal was, okay, look, you go to school, you finish your engineering degree, and after school, if you want to pursue music, you have our support. And I was like, all right, cool. So what I did is I went in to finish my, my degree, and every opportunity I had to write and record and take music classes, I did that. And I had the, you know, the fortunate tragedy of 9-11 to really shape my career. So I graduated mm. after 9-11, and you know, all the quote-unquote good marketing, good um, engineering jobs were done. They didn't exist anymore. Like, People who had offers were getting their offers rescinded or pushed back indefinitely. Uh, so mm. I thought that was like a divine sign for me to pursue music. So that's what I did. I was running a recording studio uh, here in Ann Arbor, and uh, my partner Mike Muse and I decided to start a record label. And it, you know, it changed a lot of. It took a lot of different shapes. It took a lot of different forms, um, and end up kind of resting in this idea of. Partnering, partnering brands with up-and-coming artists. We did some work with, with Starbucks, some work with McDonald's, some work with the NBA, with Sprite, and it was going pretty well, but we couldn't, um, we couldn't replicate it. It wasn't a sustainable thing. It kind of happened for us, and we couldn't do it over again, which is why I was like, okay, I need to figure out what's going on here because I don't understand the business side of what's happening. Though I understand the musical side, that's what I was kind of like, you know, shaping myself to be. So I need to really understand what's happening on the musical side and the people who were leading disruption was Apple. And I was like, I want to work for those guys. Um, and I knew that they recruited from people who had MBAs. So I was like, great, I want to go get an MBA so I can understand this world of business and I want to work for Apple, done. Like that's, that's the job. That, I mean, that's like the, the trajectory. And I did just that, came to Michigan, recruited for Apple um, exclusively, got an offer, did a summer internship and I worked 
at Apple my entire second year of business school. So I was going back and forth from Cupertino to Ann Arbor, launching new programs with Best Buy and with Target. And I ran the partnership with Nike uh, Sport Music. So it was an amazing, amazing experience. And what was happening with that, you know, I wasn't deliberately saying, okay, I'm done with music, I want to be in marketing, or I'm done with music, I want to be in business. For me, it was kind of finding the, the intersection of all those things, right? It was the convergence of music and business and tech all coming together so I can do work in the space that I thought was ideal for me, that was like the perfect thing for me. And it's funny, so, you know, when I ended up crossing paths with Matthew Knowles and we kind of hit it off, and he was like, you should come run digital strategy for Beyonce. I was like, yes, you're absolutely correct. I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that 100%. Um, so, you know, I'm in New York running digital strategy for Beyonce. I started falling in love with social. And the funny part is that I was starting to fall in love with social for the same reasons that I was really excited about polymers and the same reason I was really excited about writing music. It's the idea of people coming together. It's connecting oh. people that thought was fascinating, right? Like polymer chains connect to create tangible things. People connect over the sh- over a shared love of an artist or a song or a lyric, right? And it's the exact same thing that was happening when you think about people connecting, you know, between brands. And I was like, yo, yeah. in five years, in five years, I'm going to be in advertising. I mean, I, this is like, I said this in 2010. Five years, the goal is to is to work in advertising. You know, Mad Men was was an amazing show, and it was kind of like really like reaching critical mass at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to do like that. I want to be Don Draper. And um, you know, seven months later, I well no, like eleven months later, I'm in advertising. So five years turned into eleven years. Um, and so the so it wasn't that. I was like, I'm, you know, my heart is set on being an advertiser. Like, I wasn't groomed to be an advertiser. It's the, the core principle of advertising that I thought was exciting, uh, about connecting one group with another group in an effort to, to, to establish something new. Um, so I, I would say the thing that guided me is that I knew exactly what I wanted, even though what I wanted continued to morph um, and, and change its shape. Nice. Mark? That's that's awesome, Marcus. This is a uh, CJ, and so you talked about you know starting off with the love of music, then uh, adding business to it, then also the technology side, and then you uh, found your way to becoming connected with Beyonce, which led to social, um, and all of this was based off the idea of people coming together. And with you setting that goal for five years to be in advertising, do you have did you have another goal set for I don't know for ten years? Um, that's based around the idea of people coming together? Mm. No, I, I didn't. You know, it's like, and I, I wasn't, I didn't, I couldn't articulate it, people coming together that clearly. Like, looking back, and in retrospect, I could articulate it that, you know, fluently, if you will. But at that time, it was this idea of things connecting. I saw this as things connecting. Um, and I didn't have a 10 year plan other than I wanted to be dope. That's it. Like, I was like, yo, the goal is dopeness. Right? Yeah. It's like, that's the goal and whatever it was. And, like, in, in those moments, like, I felt like, when I was at Apple, the goal was like, yo, I want to spend the rest of my days at Apple. I love Apple. Right? And then when I was with Beyonce, I was like, yo, I want to be, I want to create the campaign that everyone loves and everyone falls in love with. And I'd be known as that guy that connects 
artists with their fans and fans with, you know, their shared their, their peers better than anybody else. I, I wanted to do that. Um, when I got into advertising, it's like I wanted to create the campaigns that everyone remember, the famous campaigns that everyone remembers, and it led people, you know, to to just why when I connected with Stout, with Steve Stout, it was a perfect marriage because that's kind of at the, the heart of what translation was about also. Um, so, you know, the 10 the year plan was just really to, to, to be great. And, you know, greatness continues to become much more um, salient as the older I get and the more years I continue to pursue it because my aperture of it becomes broader, yet the picture becomes much more in focus. Yeah, that's that's really really nice. Um, go ahead, CJ. You have another question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, one I want to say, um, you know, just from uh, uh, someone who looks up to you, um, I can definitely say I feel that you are dope, especially in the five years old and accomplishing that within eleven months. Um. I know we can. I also want to keep talking about this, but I also want to know what advice could you give individuals like Derezny and myself to continue to strive for those goals and uh, continue to believe that it is possible to achieve those goals uh, within that timely manner. Yeah. So, you know, I would say this. A, thank you, but I'm not there yet. But I appreciate that. I I will take. I've learned to take compliments. So thank you. Um, I think that. When it comes to, like, setting goals and achieving them, you know, I think of it like, look, you're never going to reach the finish line. There's never, like, a finish line, like, I have arrived. Because I think that once you do that, you become to a place of complacency. So if yeah. there's any goals that, like, you set as, like, who you are early in your career, I just think that here's a better way to put it. Uh, one of my mentors, Avi Savar, who started Big Fuel and sold it, you know, when I came to New York, I really wanted to work with Abby, and that's who the first agency I worked with, uh, Big Fuel. You know, I really wanted to work with Abby years before we started working together. And I would ask him, like, you know, you know, how can I get in, and what can I do? This is what I want to do. And he'd ask me, what do you want to do? And I was like, hey, I want to do, I want to do digital, and I want to do music, and I want to do marketing. And he's like, okay, cool, but what do you really want to do? And I was like, I want to do digital, I want to do music, I want to do marketing. And he's like, no, what do you <laughs> really want to do? And I'd be like, dude, digital music and marketing. Like, I don't have any time to tell you, right? And what he was, what he was pushing to me, what he was pushing on me, is to really carve out exactly what I want to do. And even if in that moment it's going to be different than it is in five years, it's important to have a very clear picture of what it is. Because if you don't know what it is, well, it could be anything after a while, and you don't even know. Like, would you be able to like, bit, like track what you've done? Right, like you know, there's the, the old saying that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Mm. Right, so it's like you have to have a very clear, a very clear picture of the destination, so that you can start tracking which road is going to get you there most efficiently. If timing is the pressing factor, or which road is going to be the most productive, like you get more out of the journey. Right, and these goals are set based upon what you want to get out of it. Um, and I think that for someone who's just starting their career or kind of like in the influx of their career, like I was doing one thing, I'm thinking about this, it's like, okay, great, that's cool. It's totally cool to switch. But what exactly do you want to do? So if you ask me, 
you know, three years ago, four years ago, I'd say I'm an advertiser. I work in advertising. But today, I, I think of my practice far different. Like, I say I work in advertising, but I never refer to myself as an advertiser. Right? Like, my job is to create experiences that provoke people to take action and ultimately bring people to the fold who are just like them. Right? I, I'm a social engineer. Right? So, like, I engineer experiences and content and messages and products and ideas and behaviors that are culturally contagious. Like, that's what my practice is about. And I do it in the space of advertising. But I could do it in the space of education. I do it in the space of whatever wall. I have to love advertising because we're constantly putting things in the world. Right? So, I I love that. I get a a thrill out of that just as much as I get a thrill out of education. That's a long way of saying that as a a person just started off in the career, which is where you guys are in a lot of ways, like, okay, what exactly do I want? And look, it's not about like having a laundry list of things because the, the chances of you knocking anything off the board, is like, I, it's just, you got to be very, very selective in the thing. Like at Apple, we used to say, you know, you say no to a thousand things you like to say yes to a couple of things that you love. Mm. Right? So, the idea is, like, I want to do a lot of things. Yeah, that's cool, but I really want to do this thing. And this thing consists of A, B, C, D. And A, B, C, D looks like this. And I know I've succeeded, and I've done A, B, C, D. And, like, it, it, it requires it, – it, look, it's a simple thing to say, but it requires a heck of a lot of discipline to be like, you know what, that's an interesting thing, and that could look great on my resume, but that does not get me to the destination I'm trying to get to today right now. That's that goes a, a you know what you speaking the truth right now. I'm just telling you that because what you know we all in the Marcus Grant project and and years in the past because um uh, you know you've worked with with LinkedIn very closely with this uh this nonprofit. You we come across our we know that we have all these talents. We can do a lot. We can do a lot, but we can't do everything, and we can't do everything at at the same time. So I think this is one of the things that I'm learning is that, you know, yes, you have all these gifts, you have all these talents, Derezny, but you need to focus your energy on what you really want to do, your your concrete passion. And I see that, you know, in with you because to understand, to, to graduate with an engineering degree ain't easy, okay, and you did that. Yes. You, and you're currently, you know, and you're applying it in your own ways, but I guess it was that time for you to tell yourself that, I can do this, but this is not what I want to do forever. Yeah. But yeah. what you do now, and, and I think, like, go I ahead. Think that, sorry, to cut you off. But I think that what 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 Lincoln is doing with the Marcus Graham Project is phenomenal because what he's doing is taking a very like a very select group of of individuals of talent, right, that have big ambitions, and because ambition is a thing you can't teach. Like I can't teach mm. people to want to be great. Like, you find people who want to be great and have the proclivity to potentially um, achieve that, right? So, like, that's how the selection pool is. uh, It's a filter for the selection pool. And now he's taking this short, condensed amount of time and he's exposing you to so many things. So that the idea is like, oh, I like that. That's really interesting. I love this skill set. This is great. So now you can start identifying the skills you want to use in the environment in which you want to use it. So as you're exposed to a lot of things, like it becomes almost like a car wash, right? So like if your <laughs> if your car needs you know some wax, it'll absorb the wax. 
but if it doesn't need the soap, it'll wash off the soap, right? And so you in this experience right now should be treating it like a car wash. I want to be uh, a planner, right? So I want to be a planner. I want to be a strategist. So I'm focusing everything. I'm looking at everything in the perspective of being a strategist. Now, I get a chance to watch the accounts dudes do their thing. I get a chance to watch the creatives do, do they, their thing. And watching them help shape the way I do my thing, right? It's like, you know, if I'm playing basketball, I, 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 if I'm a point guard, I got to know everybody's position to know how to, to feed them. And if I'm a forward, I got to know what the center's going to do to know that I'm collide with them. I got to know everybody's job to do my job well. But I don't have to be a center to do that, right? So being exposed to a lot of things, only broadens the aperture, but focusing on the thing that's your own ownership takes yeah. a hell of a lot of discipline. Mm, that's good. Thank you. Uh, you got a question, CJ? Yeah, I wanted to um, touch bases on social. Um, I know when you came to visit us, you talked about social media is nothing new. Uh, you just look at it, and um, you you put it in just plain view when you're talking about social media started off when we were passing notes in class, okay, trying to communicate behind the teacher's back, which led to text messaging, which then leads to iMessaging. Um, going forward, where do you see social media engagement going? Mm-hmm. So I think th- so. I think that you know when I talk about so the media of social isn't new because the media of social is just the media of people. And people, it ain't new, right? Like the way we interact with people at its core has been that way since we, you know, in, you know, in the sub-Saharan Africa, since we were, you know, in um, Neolithic uh, farms, since we were, you know, Neanderthal, right? Like we've, we've been social by design. So the idea of media helping us ex- do what we normally do has always been the case. As the, the technology advances and accelerates, the way we communicate or the, the pervasiveness of how we communicate changes, obviously, but as core, the behavior is the same. So if you think about, like, what the future of social media is, that is the media of people, well, I, I would say that, you know, t- that whatever technology extends on behaviors that already exist at its core, those are ones going to be the popular ones. Like, anything okay. that, like takes a behavior that is foreign to what we normally do, the, the, the adoption rate of that particular platform, that technology, is going to have massive hurdles. Because, you know, because um, inertia is a really hard thing to overcome. Getting us to do new things that we typically don't do is mm. a big challenge. Um, so the technologies that take advantage of behaviors that we already do have a much better chance of being of, of, of seeing a higher adoption rate than those that are a little abnormal. Now, that said, I'm not a huge product guy, right? I, I remember this time I was interviewing at Apple, you know, I, this guy named Sean Ellis, who's just an amazing guy, and he would drill me on this every time I talked to him. He's like, are you a product guy or a service guy? And I was like, well, kind of both. Like, I like the service that, product, that products provide. He's like, nah, 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 dude, that doesn't work. Either you wake up in the morning, you think about buttons and features, or you think about what are the benefits from said product. Like, what are the benefits, like the, the implied benefits? Like, what can you do with the things that are available to you based on what the product guys have provided? So all that said, like, I don't think about, like, ooh, it would be great if Facebook had this feature. I don't think like that. I just think about how do I design things 
that are based that are based on the core function of how people operate, and then what technologies are at my disposal at that point in time that let me extend on the behaviors that already exist. Okay. So um, here's I do I end up having this is my last question. So with the world changing and we're coming into this world, um, one of the articles I, I wanted to talk about was um, Tom's of Maine and how they are um, they're using Instagram influencers to take pictures and they'll pay them if they take pictures with their product fifteen thousand dollars. And the this this particular company had decided to do something like this because of research that found the 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 magnitude of influencers on social media and how it's in a sense surpassing celebrities because there's more of a real factor. So now now these companies are using normal people through their social media platforms to advertise their work. And I think that's what the future is becoming. Um I wanted to see your comments on that. That's what the future is becoming because that's what the past has always been, right? Mm. Um, we are we are mostly influenced by the people with whom we have trust in, the people that we know, right? You think about the six degrees of separation. I think I talked to you guys about this. There's, you know, the, uh, Stanley Milgram did a study called the Small World Problem, and it proved that we are we're separated by each other by five degrees, right? So you get six degrees of separation. <clears throat> and but what was found was that the level of influence only goes out to the third degree. And that is mm. a friend of a friend of a friend. And as you, you know, continue to go out to the degrees, the, the percent of influence around whatever you know, genre or topic, et cetera, begins to decrease. And after the third degree, it just kind of peters out because we trust the people that we know. Right? I trust my friend. I trust my best friend. And my best friend's roommate, I trust him because it's proximity to my best friend. My best friend roommate's girlfriend I trust her because she's around, and, but not as much I trust his roommate or I trust my best friend. My best friend's roommate's girlfriend's uh, uh, teammate. Cousin. I don't know that chick. Forget her. <laughs> no way. Right? The level of influence works the, the exact same way. So when you think about, like, regular Joe Schmoes, like, those people have, they have, you know, they have third-degree friends that they have an impact on. So if I'm a marketer, I'm like, yo, I'd rather spend my money on, quote, unquote, regular people because those regular people have influence on people that, that know them. Like they, there's, a, there's, a, there's a ripple effect that happens there that's much more unique than if you think about an, a celebrity. Now, the truth is celebrities are great media, but they're not influential the way we think about friends being influential. Like I think about yeah. celebrities, they're like, they're like contextualized media, right? There's they're, they're media because they're bright wattage, they got followers, they got, you know, there are a lot of people who are watching them, they're on billboards or whatever, like, they have a big stage, they're media, they're contextualized because if you think about Diddy and a tuxedo with liquor, you're like, that makes all the sense in the world, it's like, there's context with that <laughs> celebrity, so they become contextualized media because of how you think about that person in whatever environment they're going to be in, but, but as, like, influential, no. Nah. You may see, like, you know, Jay-Z rock a certain hat and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going to buy that. And you buy it, but what you're going to do is check with your circle of friends, like, yo, y'all dig this? And your friends are yeah. like, you're like an idiot. Take that off. You're going to put it in your closet and never wear it again because the people around you have more influence on your behavior than just the cool hat that Jay-Z wore. Much like, you know, if James Earl Jones, 
was like, you know, drinking a soda. You're like, that looks tasty. I'm going to try it. Does that make James Earl Jones influential? No. He's contextualized media. The same mm. sort of thing. Um, so we think about advertisers saying, I'm going to, instead of investing all the money into uh, celebrities, which is just another form of media, I'm going to invest it into these regular people who are parts of networks. And if you look at, like, people who have, like, 10,000 fans or 10,000 followers or 1,000 followers, you'd say that person probably is, is likely to be more influential in his circle of people because he's a regular person. And he has a reach to five to a thousand, or one thousand to five thousand people. So that person is more influential in his circle, and therefore has a better chance of changing behaviors within the people who follow him or like him, who are friends with him, than Jay Z does for Fuse T, for instance. <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate the advice. I mean. This conversation could go on forever. Um, a lot of people on 15 hertz are, we all have, like, more and more questions, but our time is limited here. So I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I mean, I, I could talk about this stuff for, for ages. It's, uh, it's something I'm very, very passionate about. I think it's important as marketers that we kind of remove ourselves from the abstractions and jargons and buzzwords that proliferate our industry to think about things at its most simplest form or its most simplest uh, context so that we can actually build things that work. Indeed. Indeed. So enjoy yourself. Um, enjoy yourself. I know you and your family, I think, are you guys relocating back to Detroit? We just moved yesterday back to Michigan, indeed. Okay. Good times. So con- congratulations, congratulations, and I hope you tune in next to our next episode next week. Stay posted. Thank you for coming, and um, I just want, on behalf of uh, 15 Hertz that I create, 2015 Boot Camp, thank you so much. Thank you, Marcus. It's my pleasure. You guys take care. All right, now. Bye. Yep, bye. That that was Marcus Collins, everybody. You're on the drum. Really dropped some uh, really good inspiration. Um, Man, so I believe we're going to have to just call him again. And yeah, we're going to do take two. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> take two. but in between time, um, for those who are listening in the city of Dallas, we have our Big Squeeze. Uh, the Lemonade Stand, the Big Squeeze edition, is going to be this Friday at the Green Room in Deep Ellum from 5 to 8 p.m. So please come out and enjoy yourself. It's a great time for you to network, socialize with people, um, and have a really fun time. Definitely. You can follow all the information and get all that on uh, the Instagram page at WeR15HZ. But until next time, we will talk to you next week, and peace and happiness. Peace and happiness. Follow us. Thank you. Okay, hit it. Ribby and a Mordecai, you did a change, so you probably need to mortify my trust. See these haters? Yeah, it's kind of fortified. Get with the program, are you gonna part or die? Body back or be stomified? Be the same or let me be the one to change your mind. Uh, let me be the one to change your mind. Uh, shades on you and you watch it drop it by. I live it too long, still dreaming. Uh, live it too long, still scheming. I've been living too long, still dreaming. Uh, why you dance with these demons? I've been living too long, still scheming. And why you plan for these meetings? I've been living. This episode of The Drum is brought to you by 15 Hertz and the Marcus Graham Project and is sponsored by PepsiCo, Beats Electronics, and Usher's New Look Foundation. Don't click that button.